Welcome back to another episode of the Lawyers in the Making podcast. I'm your host, as always, Nate Crespo, and today we have a very special guest. She's a University of Notre Dame Mendoza College of Business graduate and currently works as a Master Structured Settlement Consultant and as a C-Suite Network Executive Leader. She's held past positions as a Certified Structured Settlement Consultant at EPS Settlements Group and as a Certified Structured Settlement Consultant at Financial Settlement Services Mrs. Jody Lamb, welcome to the podcast. How are we doing today? I'm good, late Nate. We, we we started off here wrong. We're just going to call me Jody Lamb. I'm not Mrs. Anything right now. But uh, and then I'll also add that in addition to financial settlement services and EPS, the uh, the company I work now with is Arcadia Settlements. So 18 years in the structured settlement industry. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm very happy to have you here, Jody. And I'd just like to say beforehand, before I ask you to introduce yourself. This is a very, very special episode for a very special reason, because Jody is the first guest on the podcast that is not actually an attorney, but she has so much time in the legal field and the legal industry that she has so much to offer to any attorneys out there or law students looking for an alternate path into the law, which is something I absolutely hammer on and something that has just become the essence of this podcast, that there is no straight path to the law. Everyone has their own unique path, and there's many different ways to get into it. But Jody, before we get started, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. I absolutely adore that you're embracing alternative paths into the law. So uh, I didn't see myself here talking to you regarding the law or to attorneys in, in your uh, your network here, but uh, my path started very, very humble. Uh, I grew up as the oldest of four children in uh, the, the Midwest. I grew up in uh, Columbus area, uh, lived uh, there up until 2013. I now live in Dallas. Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad uh, was a construction uh, uh, company owner. He still owns his business. Uh, one of the salt of the earth people. Uh, we just, we, we, we had a beautiful life. We didn't want for anything, but we didn't have a lot. Uh, I was, uh, a, my undergraduate degree was at Ohio university and I paid my way through school. Uh, it was actually during my freshman year of, uh, college when I was involved in a car accident and we can get into that story later, but uh, that was kind of the start of where my story began in my professional career. Uh, but I was a, a finance major, had a concentration in insurance, had a wonderful pro uh, professor from New York Life, just adored him. Uh, he was fun, engaging, made insurance interesting. And so I kind of became an insurance geek. Uh, and, and I embrace that. I mean, I, I have had now 25 years in the insurance industry, uh, but uh, it was it was all founded, you know, with a really great instructor at school, leaning into that, which I found interesting and, and much like your efforts here on the podcast, trying to figure out what's your next step, what's going to be best for you, what what interests you. So find what you like, lean into it and have fun. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I was, uh, I worked in uh, insurance with a major uh, insurance company out of college, uh, also worked with uh, Park Avenue Securities, uh, Guardian Life, Nationwide Insurance, uh, then started uh, getting into personal injury claims. Uh, that's when I uh, discovered structured settlements and the rest they say is, is history. But um, yeah, I, uh, I have 15 year old twins, 
I live here in Dallas now and um, I'm loving life. Excited to be here. Well, I'm absolutely excited for you to be here as well. And I always love to hear that you're loving life because that's that's the most important part. We only got one of them, so we might as well love it. Uh, so let's go all the way back. You were at Ohio University and you talked about the car crash. So let's get into that. Let's talk about what started your path towards structured settlements and insurance and all that. Right. Okay. Well, uh, this is not a badge of honor here. This is a humble uh, story of just the reality that many people face. Uh, when I was driving to school one morning, I just minding my own business, went through an intersection. Uh, someone had run a red light. They T-boned me, uh, hit hard enough that I spun around, hit a parked car, wrapped around a telephone pole. Um, I, you know, when we're young, we jump back. We're fine. Got this. Nope, we're fine. Um, but I wasn't fine. But the doctor said, you're fine. So I said, okay, I'm fine. And the insurance company, I think they offered me like a thousand dollars. And I thought I was rich. I was so excited. I took the thousand dollars and I didn't know what I really just did. And the bills came in and I didn't even get the bills paid. And so I had to go back to the insurance company and I said, yeah, you gave me a thousand dollars, but that doesn't even cover my bills. And so I advocated enough to at least have them modify the conditions of the settlement to cover the, those medical bills. So I walked away with practically nothing when it was all said and done. I didn't anticipate that uh, within a few years, I was going to be having my first surgery. Um, I had L5S4, I'm sorry, L5S1 uh, laminectomy and disectomy in 2001. I was walking completely bent over, um, head to my toes. I could not stand upright. And by the time I made it to the surgeon, uh, she said, Jody, there's no therapy that can fix this. You need immediate surgery. And so uh, I followed doctor's orders, had the surgery. Um, 11 years later, I had the next surgery, uh, L4, L5. And so as, as, as you will quickly learn in, in, you know, the personal injury world, you know, if you have one surgery, the, the surrounding discs take on the extra load. And so it, it's progressive. And in 2021, I had L3-4 disc herniation. Uh, but this surgery was different than the prior two. Other ones, I felt immediately better as soon as it got, uh, the disc herniation got off the nerve. Um, but in uh, July of uh, 2021, after the uh, L3, L4, it re-herniated. And uh, I had to fight insurance to insist for additional imaging, uh, to insist that uh, to my doctor, something's not right. This wasn't my first experience having a back surgery. And I knew that something didn't, so it, it was getting worse. Um, uh, I ended up with severe drop foot. Uh, I, I couldn't walk. I, I struggled to crawl from my bed to my bathroom. Uh, so by the time uh, I got back to the, the imaging after insisting, I'm like, I'll pay out of pocket if, if necessary. I don't care uh, if insurance pays or not. This, this is important to me. This You had patient advocacy needed to be engaged uh, in insistence. And by the time I got to the surgeon's office at 5 p.m. on Friday, he's like, why didn't you tell me this sooner? And I said, well, I've been in twice. I've talked to the physician's assistant. I, I just... You know, they kept telling me this is this the numbing. It's it's getting. You know, this is to be expected. Uh, so it's very frustrating when you don't have an attorney to help you navigate these conversations. 
just to understand what the right process is. So you trust your doctors, you trust your parents, but our limited information and experience um, leads us in a void when we don't have proper counsel. So ultimately, no surprise, my disc had re-herniated and within weeks of the first uh, L3, L4, I had another one, but the residual drop foot nerve damage is still here. Uh, fortunately, I am really keen on uh, working out and working uh, to uh, use other parts of muscles and uh, balance and uh, to be able to be stronger now than I've ever been before in my life. So I take that experience as opportunity to grow and become stronger. And again, just reinforce my own understanding and compassion working with injured parties because they're going down conversations and paths and experiences they've never experienced before, whether it be at the first onset of the accident, uh, injury, treatment, settlement, post-settlement, uh, surgeries. There's a lot of uncertainty in the process. So I bring that perspective and consideration and understanding when I work with families and injured parties. Um, so, and I said, that's kind of the start of my career. I didn't know it at the time. In fact, I didn't even know about structured settlements until 2005, 2006. Uh, and this was an accident that happened uh, um, long before then. Uh, so, you know, to all the attorneys listening uh, in law school, they're not going to really talk about structured settlements. It's a small subset of a tax code that is uh, buried in uh, personal injury uh, opportunities to provide your clients guaranteed tax-free future payments. Their settlements tax-free. You already know that. But did you know that if at time of settlement you negotiate future payments, that those future payments are going to grow and they're not going to have to pay any tax on interest, dividends, or capital gains. So that is the information that I learned while negotiating personal injury settlements. After I, uh, after I graduated college, I was financial planner. I learned quickly that right out of college, people don't necessarily trust you to be investing their retirement income you kind of lack a little bit of experience. So respecting that, I needed a little bit more uh, ex uh, uh, opportunity to learn. I went to work for um, uh, Nationwide Insurance. I, I started handling individual annuity investments, uh, personal um, uh, investments for individuals and businesses, and got it kind of behind the scenes look. Advanced my career into the insurance side of the business. I started handling personal injury cases, settlements, and that's when I discovered structured settlements. Not when I got my series six, 67, life health annuity licenses, talked about it in school. Uh, certainly not when I negotiated my, poorly negotiated my own personal injury settlement, but when I was actually handling claims. And I started handling claims because I was involved in a second auto accident uh, shortly before then. And so in hindsight, I'm like, I can do so much better to help people. I can handle claims. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed it to some degree, but honestly, it was, I could never do enough. I wanted to do more for people. Uh, unfortunately, when you're settling claims, 
money is all that they have to offer. They can't give back time. They can't give back the loss of life. They can't undo or relieve pain. And money is is arbitrary. It, it's not it's not going to make anything better as far as your experience and your pain, but it can be used to help you going forward. <clears throat> I just, in claims, felt like I couldn't give enough. When I discovered structured settlements, I figured a way to give more as a neutral party to the negotiation. So I didn't have to be on one side or the other. I was there to advocate for the injured party. And that's where I've been. I found my purpose. I found my mission. I love what I do. Um, I've been doing this now for 18 years and I don't see myself doing anything else. Well, I, first, I just have to say that's an amazing story. It's an inspiring story. I, I find that when people go through experiences and they use those experiences in order to help other people who have, you know, faced the kind of things that they have, uh, you know, not not saying that my my experience through this podcast is was any sort of comparable to yours, but you know, doing this, I, I I found that the situation that I find myself in right now, in terms of uncertainty about law school, I'm helping people through this podcast and helping people understand if it's the right choice for them, and it's not once again not comparable in any way to to what you went through and what you help people with because there's you know a lot more money involved. There's a lot more at stake, but I find it so inspiring to myself because I will continue what I want to do because I love doing this podcast and I find it amazing that you love what you do. And just like you said, you, you will, you, you feel that you'll never stop doing it for the rest of your life. And I find that absolutely amazing. I think for most people in their professional careers, that would be an end goal uh, in, in any sort of way. So I think that's just amazing that you love your job. You love what you do. And that's such an important point to make because I think a lot of people go into work and especially in the legal industry, uh, you know, go into work that they probably don't like that much. They don't enjoy the job or the office or the culture. And, you know, they, they hate themselves for it. And I would never want to end up that way. And I strive every day not to do that. And I think it's a great point to make for people out there listening to understand that and be able to digest that sort of point to find what you love find what gives you purpose, find what gets you out of bed every day. Because uh, I think it's really important. But I have to ask from that, I think something through law school that kind of gets not misconstrued, but thrown out the window a bit. And I haven't been to law school myself, but talking to enough people who have, uh, the human aspect of the law is, is so prevalent that it kind of gets lost through law school. You're always reading cases, you're always, you know, looking at statutes and precedents. Can you talk about the human aspect that you have seen from your own experience through structured settlements? Absolutely. Well, my own personal uh, perspective is in, in building on what you just said. <clears throat> we can find ourselves in circumstances that we don't enjoy, didn't see ourselves struggling to do. We invested a lot of time and energy in an education and feel somewhat trapped. Um, it, it's it's commendable to you to have this foresight before you even get to, the, to that point to say, I want to explore and lean into this in a curious way because you can kind of get better guidance going forward. 
I figured it out the hard way. And at the time, I felt like I was abandoning my my education and my career. Uh, when I changed from a financial planner to go work for an insurance company, I went from working with that human element, that individual investment, working face-to-face -face planning with people to kind of being behind the scenes. And I really was upset with myself because I felt like I had let my my own educational aspirations down because I saw myself doing much bigger things and in, in, in helping people, not just being a behind the scenes kind of data entry, just kind of working, you know, on a computer. That wasn't what I envisioned. But then again, um, I needed that experience to grow. I, I struggled the first year as a financial planner. I was right out of college. I was a baby. I didn't know anything. And my friend's parents were like, yeah, we're not trusting you yet. You, you, you know, come back to us when you have a little bit more experience. But uh, you know, I, I, I still pushed through. I, I got it. But you know what? I didn't love it. So, I, 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 I recognize that. Leaned into the opportunity to change, get more experience. Um, and then when I and I left that, even from in, from the individual annuity investments to handling personal injury cases, it was only because I had explored all those opportunities and I kind of felt bored and I wasn't challenged. And after 9-11, job opportunities dried up in the financial space. And having my own personal claims experience, I felt like, well, I'm turning my back again on my financial aspirations. Now I'm going to claims. It kind of felt like a step down because uh, it wasn't at all what I anticipated to do. And to be able to um, change again was, again, embracing that uncertainty uh, because we never know what that next opportunity is going to be. At the time, it felt totally unrelated and unconnected until I got into claims. And that's when I discovered the structured settlement. So you had the combination of my own personal physical injury and process of a claimant in, in the whole journey of uh, being involved in an accident, getting injured, settling a claim, personal financial planning, being able to work with people long term, uh, behind the scenes, understanding investments, then understanding the claims process, um, understanding all of that and bringing that to the conversations we have with people every single day in my occupation today was imperative to make me as successful and uh, empathetic, compassionate, and understanding as I am today. Uh, you talk about the human aspect, it's it's unavoidable, whether you're working on the defense side or the plaintiff side or the, you know, for unrepresented parties, it, it really comes down to being able to connect individuals. Uh, we work with those that we know, like, and trust. That has been uh, the, the focus of my effort on becoming more visible on social media and LinkedIn. Uh, it, that is why it's important when we're working with individuals, whether it be uh, for um, work, personal, whatever, we just got to get to know people. And that human component is, I feel like, a uh, a disconnect in a world post-COVID uh, when we all kind of started shutting doors and disconnecting from that engagement. So leaning into these conversations like you're having here today, Nate, uh, and in and, and live streamings, I, I just started just like little video shorts on live stream with a wish I had known series, uh, learning about things that we We've learned over the years and when hindsight's 2020 and knowledge is power, sharing those words of wisdom with people. So, uh, you know, we can help others avoid potentially making the similar mistakes. Um, the human aspect is irreplaceable.
It's always going to be there. And it's what connects us together so that we can be empathetic to be understanding, to be able to have conversations so people can open up and not only want to work with us, but so that we know how to best support them. Yeah, I think you made a, a, a couple of very important points there, but I have to ask from, from that, you've talked a lot about growth. You've talked a lot about hard experience that you had to go through in order to really reach that end goal. And I apologize in advance because I am a philosophy major and I always talk about how I try, I try to hold in the philosophy whenever I speak to anyone, but I just simply can't sometimes. And I always think about when, when I think about the hard experiences, I think about Aristotle, who's one of my favorite philosophers ever, but he talks, he talks extensively about catharsis and how important it is to sort of go through hard things in order to get to the good and, you know, be able to go through them. And I just have to ask from that, it, it is very similar to more of the modern conception of it, but this sort of a, a growth mindset, which is something I I get I always end up talking about because, you know, the guest brings it up and I have to I have to ask now, you know, how important is having a growth mindset has has been for your professional career and just personal life in general? I'd say it's foundational. Um I always challenge myself to learn. I'm a perpetual learner. Um, I I have a little bit of an alphabet soup behind my name just because I enjoy the academic of learning and uh, continuing to uh, advance my own knowledge so that I can help other people. Um, it's not good enough to just be good enough sometimes. I want to be better for myself and for those that I work for. Yeah, listen, perfectly said. I, <laughs> I, 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 I can't put it out enough how important the growth mindset has been for myself. Obviously, the other side of that is more of a scarcity mindset, where you're a little less resourceful, you look at things, you'd be like, Oh, I can't do that. I can't do this. And I think that is something that has absolutely changed my life. I know you spoke about working out before. I love the gym. I always talk about the gym. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's my home, really, I go there every day, I make sure I get in there. And it it really it 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 sort of exemplified the whole growth mindset. Just something as simple as lifting a weight and then going in the next day and lifting a higher weight for more reps. It sort of it it, it for me it was like sort of the light bulb moment. Like holy crap! Like this 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 is this is life. This is what it's all about. This is you know just something as small as just lifting a weight can be comparable to anything that you do. I heard you say knowledge is power. One of my favorite sayings ever. Uh, I think I think it was like some English priest from the 13th century who said that because I looked it up one time and I was like, who said that? Because I thought it was someone a little farther back. Um, but I think that's a really important phrase to have in your life because it really is true. Knowledge is really power and you can really impact people in such important ways. When you advance your knowledge, you can help people out just like your own live streaming. Like, you know, I wish I knew that and you're delivering it to people. Uh, I know a couple episodes uh, ago I spoke, or was it last episode, um, which is not out yet, uh, but Luke Yingling was talking about how, you know, you learn from your scar tissue, and it's even better when you can learn from other people's scar tissue, so you don't, you don't have to have that own impact on yourself as well, go through those hard times, even though they are important, um, but 
from from there i have to ask you know with with bringing in the human aspect what are the sorts of skills that is that have helped you interact with people in productive and, and efficient ways and really get to know them sort of the soft skills what what what, what are some that are important to you and have helped you talk less listen more <laughs> the, uh you, you talk about scar tissue um I think we need to listen more. Like our bodies will tell us what it needs. Uh, I have a Pilates coach, uh, Michael Gale, uh, who I met on LinkedIn and I talk <laughs> about crazy things and we do that virtually. Um, but I, you know, I, I've had almost 30 years of, of spinal issues and surgeries and recoveries and the, and the scar tissue will, will try to protect the body and the body then will try to adjust and uh, we can learn coping mechanisms that either support or uh, continue to um, challenge us and identifying the difference uh, in a healthy manner is important. So you talk about working out and being important uh, to you. For me, I used to push so hard. Um, before the the last two uh, back surgeries, I I was pulling out 100 miles and you know bike rides. I would climb a mountain after doing a kickboxing class. I was in boxing like every day. I was working and pushing myself hard, and I could do it. I was modifying. You know, I would kind of like do something because my back wouldn't let me fully get range of motion. My roundhouse wasn't as high as I want, but <laughs> if I could shift my hips a little bit, like. I'm learning how to move my body now uh, in a way that doesn't just accommodate that scar tissue and that that trauma in the past, but figuring out how to work um, and heal it. Uh, so you talk about uh, the cathartic uh, effort to um, embrace positivity and, and a growth mindset. And for me, it is learning how to uh, use my body in a way to um, move in, uh, opportunities that don't continue to hurt myself. So I don't use the same techniques I did before my last two surgeries. And I'm not much more kinder to my body. Uh, I do weights, limited weights. I don't do the kickboxing. I do pure bar. I don't do boxing. I do, uh, Pilates. Uh, I do yoga instead of the mountain climbing. Well, I used to live in Arizona. There's a lot more mountains in Arizona than there are in Dallas. So uh, it really comes down to learning from that past, uh, past so that we can um, learn and continue to grow. Yeah, I, I heard you say Arizona. I have to say I'm a very big fan of Arizona. My brother lived there for about, I think it was like two and a half years. And two years ago, I went to go visit him. And I love Arizona. Uh, he lived in, uh, it's not Scottsdale, because I said Scottsdale. What's the other Dale? Glendale. Glendale. Thank you. Glendale, mm -hmm. Arizona. That's where, he, that's where he lives. But, uh, you know, Phoenix is absolutely beautiful. But what I love, and I know the Grand Canyon, obviously, you know, that's the big ticket item. I love Sedona, Arizona. That is heaven on earth. I swear on my life. Have you ever, you've, you've been to Sedona? Obviously, yes, of course. <laughs> I, Sedona was a weekend uh, getaway for us. I lived in a little town called Anthem, farthest northern uh, piece of uh, the Phoenix area, but uh, on your way up to Sedona. So it would be about less than an hour and a half drive. So we would make weekend destinations there. And 
I, I, despite living there for almost 10 years, I don't think I hit every trail, not for lack of trying, but yeah, all the, the hiking trails out there absolutely loved them. And Sedona is just a, a beautiful place. Uh, it's very calm. It's tranquil. It's a good place to relax. Um, another reason I like my workouts is that's how I deal with my stress. That's how I, that's how I find my calm. And so that I can, um, you know, deal with other things, but Sedona highly recommend it. Actually, I prefer Sedona to, to the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is pretty much one path. Uh, <laughs> you, you can walk the rims, but, um, with Sedona, you've got opportunities to climb mountains, bridges, uh, through mountains or, or through the, like the tree covered in the full exposed desert, uh, and under the full exposed sun, if you are so inclined to get, uh, a little sunburned, but, uh, it just kind of depends on the day, but um yeah highly recommend Sedona when was the last time you were out there uh well two two years ago when I went to go see my brother but I'm go I'm getting out there soon enough I have a large buck I always talk about my large bucket list of places that I have to go and I know I've already been to Sedona Arizona but I need to go back like once a year I like I'm enthralled by it I think it is so beautiful literally the Airbnb that me and my family were in like you walk outside and there's just red rocks everywhere I always think to myself like if you live in Sedona Arizona there is no possible way that you could be unhappy I just don't I don't believe it it's way too it's too beautiful it's just so aesthetically pleasing oh I can't I can't get enough of Sedona Arizona I think it is literally it's one of the best places I've ever been to and I'm gonna keep going again yeah, I uh, I had actually have a trip coming up the week after next to Arizona, the end of March, Arizona. Uh, so yeah, I, I go out as much as I can uh, this time of year, especially when it's when it's uh, cold, a little bit colder there in Albany here than in Dallas today. But uh, it's even better in, in in Arizona. But that's the beauty of what I do. I get to travel all over the world, or all over the all over the U.S. So in structures, um, I I handle coast to coast. So pre pre-COVID, I got to do a lot more fun travel. So we go back to alternative paths into the law. I used to um, travel. I mean, I went to Alaska. That was a fun mediation. I extended a couple of days. I went uh, sled dog riding uh, during the <laughs> summer, not during the winter months. I would die. It was It's way too cold for me to do that during the winter months. Uh, but they put the the sled dogs on wheels, uh, and we did that with with um, the claims professional and the attorney. We had a lot of fun, uh, just kind of embracing. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in our work, and and part of the balance of life is to is to in, is to blend the two. So uh, we we had a lot of fun. We got to to see the glaciers. Uh, uh, I think. I'm still waiting for that Hawaiian mediation, y'all. If if anyone, <laughs> if anybody needs someone to go, I'll happily, happily volunteer. Uh, those always end up getting canceled the last minute or they get settled before everyone has to transfer or fly out, which I think is funny. I think a lot of people would want to go to Hawaii, but um, I would just have to add a couple of days long there. I'm just saying. It's fun. It's very funny you bring up Alaska because I've been on like four vacations on my life and one of them was Alaska I went with my family I think it was uh I was going to my junior year of high school but that place is absolutely I'm gonna go back there again uh, I actually got to stand on a glacier I drank the glacier water which was like the best water I think I've ever tasted in my life which is funny because water tastes like nothing uh but it it was it was cold and you could just feel it was fresh uh you know I took helicopter rides we did dune buggies so Alaska, like, I can't believe you said Alaska. 
because the literally the only two places I've really ever been to was Arizona and Alaska, other than living in New York, obviously, my whole entire life. Uh, but I, oh, Alaska, so much open land. It's it's insane. It goes on for miles and it's uninhabited, unoccupied. It's just there. And I've never seen that before because I'm always living around houses and cities and there's no there's no open land for miles like that. So I was always fascinated by that. But switching gears just a little bit because I want to get into the weeds of structured settlements and talk about what you do at Arcadia right now. Uh, so what do you do? What is structured settlements? Talk about it a little bit. Happily. Thank you for asking. Well, as most people will eventually find out, and if you don't know yet, you're going to find out now. A structured settlement is a way to settle a claim other than a single cash payment at time of settlement. In lieu of just a settlement for, say, $100,000, a million dollars, doesn't matter the zeros or the commas involved. Uh, whether it's all in cash or paid over time, a personal injury case is going to be paid tax-free. If those future payments are a consideration at the time of settlement and built into the terms of the settlement, uh, those future payments are going to be made with no tax ever on interest, dividends, and capital gains to the injured party. That is significant. I make magic with money in way financial planners <laughs> and the way financial planners can't duplicate. Look, I don't have to deal with the suitability requirements early required min minimum distributions or payments prior to um, um, age 59 and a half. I don't have to force payments to be issued in a certain timeline. I can do multiple benefit streams. We can do guaranteed payments for life. We can, um, we can help people that have lifetime needs to be able to get payments uh, maximized if they have reduced life expectancy. We can do lump sum payments, annual payments. I, I can literally, when I talk to people, we go back to that human aspect. What are their needs? What are their wants? What are their fears? What's keeping them from settling a claim? Why is it that, um, uh, you know, what is it that they need to have that confidence and peace of mind to move forward, uh, to be able to customize plans with people to help them bridge that next step between their pending case and their life after settlement is a, is a profound honor. So we work with attorneys, we work with defendants, employers, insurance companies. We come in as a neutral party. We don't cost anything to anybody. You don't have to retain us. You don't have to pay us. I pay out of pocket for my own travel. If in the end, the person decides that they don't want to structure I, I consider it still a win because they had an opportunity to understand what their what their options were because it only exists at time of settlement. After their settlement and they take constructive receipt of that money, and that's just a fancy way of the IRS is saying you've touched it, it's now taxable. Because <laughs> when you get your 100,000, whether it's a million, whatever, whatever dollar amount your settlement is, it's going to be tax-free. But then when you put it in your bank and you and put it in investments, then anything starts to become taxable. We avoid that taxable component. And in fact, we can actually take it to different degrees of opportunities for tax mitigating strategies. That attorney on that same case can defer a portion or all of their uh, attorney fees to be able to customize when payments are made into the future as well. 
and they don't have to get hit at the highest tax bracket year one. They can customize their plan over time. So if it's a windfall case that they need to stretch out income so that uh, it's it's you know it's a reliable source of uh, uh, funds for the firm for the next five, 10, 20 years, that's what we do. Let's say they wanna plan for their own retirement or their kids' college planning. That's what we do. And guess what? They're not going to get taxed year one. They get they get taxed when they get the payments in the future. So their their fees are going to grow pre-tax and then get paid based on the distribution when the benefits are paid. So it's not unless they pay it all in one year, uh, it's going to potentially lower their total uh, taxable obligations or marginal tax bracket, depending on where their income level is, but even deferring it until they get to retirement age, you know, you've got all that accumulated tax-free growth with a guaranteed tax-free future payment. And if we can take it to the next level, we'll also share that there's market-based investments. So for the, 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 you know, right. And, and you get more, but just wait. Uh, yeah, there's market-based options out there. Companies like Pacific Life, Prudential, Vanguard, BlackRock, these companies offer market-based investments as well. So you're not tied to the fixed and guaranteed, which has a place in every potential conversation because they're dealing with people that have a lifetime of needs. You're talking income replacement, future medical expenses. Uh, you know, there's some, there's a component of stability that comes with a structured settlement that gives people that safe, that peace of mind, knowing that their settlement is safeguarded for years to come. Do you want to, but wait, there's more. Please. <laughs> Guess what? This doesn't apply just to personal injury cases. <laughs> okay. We're talking about non-personal injury cases now. Litigation, uh, employment litigation. Um, cases where you don't have a, a, a personal physical injury, much like the attorney fees that can defer their income on a non-personal injury case, the IRS also allows for the payments to be made over time. So again, they can invest their settlement to be paid into the future and it can be customized. So instead of getting paid year one, which often on, uh, let's say for employment cases can be taxable, they're going to get hit right off the bat at, a, at a, the highest tax bracket, most likely. But if they stretch it out over a few years or customize it for however long they want those benefits to be paid, they're mitigating tax liability by dropping their marginal tax bracket. So we get to work with people in that capacity. But wait, there's more. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> There's, offer, there's also opportunity to structure in the sale of businesses and in property. So we're mitigating capital gains. So we're not talking just to personal injury attorneys. We're talking to employment liability attorneys. We're talking to merger and acquisition, CPAs, tax attorneys. Like across the board, there are opportunities to save on taxes that most people have no idea that exist. And after the settlement, after the contract, after the deal is done, it's too late to do it. You've got the constructive receipt. IRS says that window has closed. And too many people say, I wish I had known. So my goal is to help people from being in that position by sharing this information to you, Nate, to your audience, to help them understand that these opportunities exist 
that can really help diversify a investment portfolio. I mean, we're not talking just to the people who can't manage money or kids who uh, can't touch the money until they reach age of majority. We're talking about people in, in the ultra, you know, in, in the high level income, you know, they're looking for alternative tax favorable strategies. Um, you know, even for those uh, tiniest of cases, we can structure as little as $10,000 for kids. We're seeing money double. And why not give them that extra money? It doesn't cost them anything. They already have to wait until they receive the money. This is a true value add. And my give back to be able to give more in the claims settlement process that I yearned for as a claims adjuster and to be able to do more as a professional financial planner that I couldn't do in the traditional retail investment space. I now have the experience and the knowledge and I love what I do. So I encourage everyone, you know, we're talking about alternative paths in the law. You know, if we find ourselves in a position, Nate, you're questioning, you know, am I going to go to law school? Am I not going to go to law school? And, and, and after you go to law school, if you're in that job and you don't know if you really love that position, look for that next opportunity. It doesn't mean you're turning your back on, on what you've already done. It means you're growing, you're expanding your knowledge. And that next opportunity might connect those paths. You, you can connect the dots by looking back. Your hindsight's 2020, but you don't know what that next opportunity is going to bring until you embrace it. I, uh, I have- That's what structure settlements are. What do you think about that, Nate? I mean, I got to be honest, like this, this conversation will be ingrained in my memory till I'm dead. I, I have, I got no words, honestly. I'm absolutely enthralled by structured settlements right now. This is fantastic. This is amazing. I can't, I can't believe something like this exists. And I had no idea. Not that, not that I really expected to really know something like this, but I am absolutely fascinated. I feel like this is like a diamond in the rough that you that you kind of found and, and emulated and it's just oh my gosh I just I love the smile on your face right now I know um, our audience isn't going to be able to see this but you're like a kid at Christmas right now I love it and that's how I feel every day when I get to work with people it really is making magic with money in a way that most people have never even heard of and and to all the attorneys listening look I get it y'all have a lot to learn in law school and a small little subset of a tax code for one little provision of a personal injury settlement or you know these other things that have happened since you've been to law school and in the in the sale of businesses and real estate you know you're not a subject matter expert in everything we all none of us are uh, so leaning into your experts to be able to just recognize that I, I, I don't know everything, but I know who to call. And so when you call me, that's what I do. I don't pretend to, to know your job. Uh, I've, I've done enough personal injury settlements, written, drafted settlement documents. I've handled thousands of cases and settlements over my years. But um, yeah, I, I have a perspective and an appreciation for the works that a, work an attorney needs to put in um, from both uh, the injured side, from the claim side, and from the settlement and negotiation side. And so post-settlement, my job is to help people understand and make the process as easy as possible. And that includes starting with that first conversation. What is this case uh, about? Does it make sense to structure? What is a structure? How would it look? How do I talk to my client about this? How do I understand it? Does this Is this something that can benefit me? 
Um, we talk, we, we break it down on a granular level because I remember the first time as a claims adjuster, I came across a structured settlement and I felt completely out of water. I didn't know what I was talking about. They, they wanted me to present a settlement that included future payments. I really didn't understand the concept. Uh, it's not you, to my knowledge, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, there's not a structured settlement course in law school. I think there should be, I mean, that's just my humble opinion, but, uh, I'm happy to offer a private private tuition or private uh, counseling for anyone who's interested though. <laughs> I mean, I, I gotta be honest, I want to do structured settlements right now. This is, this is insane. When you started talking about how you can construct the settlement and put it within the market, I, I'm blown, I'm blown away. I'm utterly fascinated. Now I'm just going to sit here for the rest of the day, looking up structured settlements, quite honestly, because I, I, I'm 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 at a loss for words, honestly. As as some of the kids would say nowadays, Jody, you cooked. I have to be honest. That that was amazing. Um, I mean, your your wealth of knowledge is absolutely insane, and the amount that you know, and just you really, you're an expert. You're an absolute expert at this stuff. And I have to I have to recommend everyone in my audience if you're listening and you need a structured settlement, please reach out to Jody because she literally knows everything about it. And I oh, I'm just. Uh, I love your enthusiasm, Nate. And a lot of people feel the same way. I talk to financial planners who are doubtful, who question it. They're like, that's too good to be true. There's no <laughs> way. And then I show them, they're like, tell me more. And so if you do have financial planners in the audience, again, I will happily tell them more, help you understand what's going on. Because again, we just don't know what we don't know. And unfortunately, a lot of what we think we know uh, may be influenced by commercials that come on television or the radios and really interesting jingles that make you say, that's a little icky. <laughs> <laughs> It's absolutely the opposite of what we do. Um, companies that try to buy structured settlements and exchange for cash uh, today actually require changing the payee and require court approval to do that. And it's expensive. They're taking pennies on the dollar and exchanging future payments for the that immediate payment now. And unfortunately, uh, it's, it's targeting those that... Um, are not probably in the best position to be making those decisions. They'll scrub court records to figure out the incompetence, of, you know, the incompetence or the minors or anyone that required, you know, the judge to sign off on a settlement as a as a roadmap as to who to call. And they get so aggressive. I've had a client show up uh, or call me uh, when they showed up in a black SUV with a briefcase full of ten thousand dollars cash, encouraging him to sign off on his future payments. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it, it's a little icky, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's not to say there's not a place for it. I'm not, I'm not here to judge, but unfortunately when people hear about structured settlements, that's often their first introduction. So when they hear about it, when they're hearing their own personal injury settlement discussions, that may be the foundation that they're first making that, uh, impression or their, their opinion on. So we have to educate. That's a huge part of what I do, both for the claims professionals, for the personal injury attorneys, for the injured parties and their families, just understanding what their choices are so that they can make informed decisions and probably one of the biggest financial decisions of their life is my personal, this is my personal mission, my goal. 
Yeah, you, you love to safeguard your settlement. I know that. Safeguard your settlement. I Yeah. know that's your thing. I have to be honest. I am sold. I am absolutely sold. I know. I don't. Even, this is just a podcast talking about your journey. But the the best sales pitch, sales pitch on the Lawyers in the Making podcast, maybe ever. I will. If I ever run into if I ever run into a settlement or something, Jody, I'm calling you. <laughs> Expect a phone call from me because I am absolutely enthralled right now. I am. I'm just fascinated. I'm just fascinated. I can't. I can't believe all the information I just heard, and I need. I need to study it now. Um. Wow. Wow. I. So the lawyers in the making, you want to impress your boss, you want to impress the partners, you want to come to, you know, want to stand out, you're, uh, you're, you're entering, you're doing a clerk, whatever. Ask about a structured settlement. Is it a personal injury case? Why are they not structuring? Is it a minor settlement? Why are they putting in a block savings account or the registry of the court? If they put it in a structure, they could get so much more and it's guaranteed. There are just opportunities to to challenge, not to challenge in a bad way, but just to continue your own personal journey of knowledge. Um, and just because it's not discussed in the in the room, you know, pull aside someone that you trust and say, hey, have we considered structured settlement? If not, let's let's call Jody. Let's let's see what you know what she has to say. Or you know, just have a conversation with me. You don't have to. Get, we can. Everything's confidential, but we don't even have to exchange names. We can just talk about case facts, and if it makes sense, then then you're you can. We'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, once again, un unbelievable. Uh, I, I, I knew, I knew when I started the question that I wanted to get into the weeds of structured settlement. This is not what I was expecting, but I'm so happy that I asked the question, and we really got into the weeds of it because I think it's, it's an amazing thing that I had no idea about. Knowledge is power, folks. Um, and I think something that you said before, not to make it about philosophy, um. But something you said before, you know, that a lot of lawyers don't have this knowledge and, and you know, you very much educate a lot of people about it. Someone, Socrates, who's who's one of my favorites, uh, I like the ancient Greeks, but he's, uh, his very famous quote is, the only thing I know is that I don't know. And that's something I've held on to my life for very much a long time since I found Socrates. And, and it's something I em employ and, and is sort of a mindset that I have is that I don't know anything. And my one goal is to know more because once again, knowledge is power. The more you know, the better. But Jody, before I keep talking about structured settlements, let's go to the last three questions here. First question is, what are the sorts of things that you consume, not food, uh, consume on a daily basis, either that be on social media, maybe Instagram, YouTube, the X platform, um, you know, any favorite content creators that you have? anything like that what's crossing the transom of jody's mind on a daily basis Well, LinkedIn is my go-to platform. Um, definitely embracing uh, not only uh, our, our social media uh, uh, presence there, but growing in our industry. Uh, the National Structured Settlement Trade Association, NSSTA. Uh, I am the uh, chair of our innovation committee. We're trying to continue to grow awareness, uh, grow products, uh, you know, you're excited to hear about the market-based structured settlement, a growth structured settlement opportunity. Uh, you know, that didn't exist before several years ago. So, uh, you know, we're constantly growing and evolving and staying up to date on that is important. Um, I am 
you know, immersed in local businesses here in, in Dallas. So continuing to network and, and uh, to grow through other women in uh, my local community and uh, in business in general, because we we need to grow outside of our current circle and uh, challenge ourselves to be aware of other people, their experiences and their industries. Um, so I try to immerse myself in that. Um, I am definitely immersed into the whole uh, wellness, uh, physical, mental, emotional. Uh, my my own personal journey is is that uh, which we've kind of talked about on on the physical on the end, but you know, I have a child that's dealing with mental health issues. So to be able to support them and, um, you know, others in a similar capacity is important because uh, I think the influx of information through social media, uh, especially in our youth is a, a profound challenge. And as parents, as uh, professionals, we need to be careful of what we put out there um, and uh, careful of what our children see uh, to the degree that we want to keep them safe. Uh, you know, nothing quite like making very adult decisions with less than fully formed prefrontal cortexes. Um, but just to be able to share that awareness uh, and to protect and to grow and to embrace all these is, is kind of where I immerse myself on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, I, I agree with the, the the point about social media uh, and, and the internet as a whole. I, I think it's it's the greatest blessing, the greatest curse ever given to you know humankind. I love the internet a lot. All of the information I've ever gotten in my life is from the internet. But there are obviously all its downsides. Obviously, social media, you know, I, I love I love I love the Instagram reels. I, I, I can't I can't deny that. And, and you know, I and it, it's also, you know, just like you said, it's important to watch what you know your kids are looking at and make sure they're being careful about that. Because I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, stuff like Instagram, stuff like, you know, X and and, and YouTube, you know, they're built based upon for you to keep scrolling and watching and looking the algorithm is garnered addicting. and it's addicting uh, and it's addicting for a reason because that's the business model and that's what they're looking to do for better or for worse uh so i think that's a really important point to make but second to last question here jody you're always working you're doing structured settlements which i love so much now this is like my, my favorite thing in the world i'm going to tell my parents about it and be like guys look at this actually my dad just settled like see i would i should have known <laughs> oh man we wish we had known <laughs> well this is a conversation that happens often though for, yeah. for future settlements for my dad i'll let him no. know <laughs> honestly no one ever wants to i hope no one ever needs to talk to me outside of you know professional capacity like if you're in involved in a personal accident, I never want to have to work with you again, with all due respect. I mean, having to be in the, that conversation in the first place is bad enough. And I applaud everyone who makes it to me to have that conversation. Uh, but with, you know, no one wants to be in that position in the first place, let alone again. So for your dad, let's hope it's one and done and we don't have to worry about that again. But you know what? Now he can share that information with others so that they don't have to say the same uh, fateful, I wish I had known. I agree. I mean, it, it seems like it's worked out because we're getting a new kitchen. It's being built right now. So it's, how bad could it really be? Um, but you're doing structured settlements. You're always working. You got two wonderful twin kids. What does an ideal Friday night 
And Sunday morning, look for Jody. Oh. Nate, come make me blow my secrets here. So Friday <laughs> nights is either a date, maybe if I'm lucky, um, but I am perfectly okay with just having uh, a night in on a Friday night just to relax. Uh, the weekdays are pretty busy. Uh, we, we have a great uh, support network in my office. I've got four case managers. I got three paralegals, uh, but we keep busy. So by the end of the week, I'm tired. So Friday night is usually pretty laid back, quiet, light up fireplace, um, order in takeout or something. It's, it's pretty laid back. Um, but on Sunday mornings, I do my massages. I read, I meditate, um, I will try to get out and do something fun before I pick up my kids. Uh, I, I get the weekends off. So the weekends are very much me time. So I, I do all the things during the, the weekend that I, I don't get done during the week as, as we all mostly do, but, um, I'm pretty quiet laid back. I like gardening. I like, uh, definitely getting my workouts in recently discovered hot works. Have you ever heard of that? It's a growing thing. It's crazy. It's the working out in the heat, right? Yeah. Like the sauna I, I, workout. I crank it up to 130 degrees, get some hot <laughs> yoga in, some Pilates. It's all good. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I read, meditate. I, I really work on myself. That, that's my self-care time. Um, and uh, so when, when I'm not working on that, I just get caught up on other things around the house. Well, final question, Jody. I do this at the end of every episode. What are your words of wisdom for the aspiring law students, the current law students, and even the current legal professionals, as well as any other professionals or young students out there looking for alternate paths? Follow your heart. Follow your intuition. In the end, life is short. And tomorrow's promise to no one. So make your life's work matter to you and to those that you serve because that is the legacy that you live and you leave. And if you're not happy, dig into the root cause of what that is. For me, um, I, I, I thought I was stressed out about my work. Turns out there was some, uh, there was some issues in my marriage and, and I needed to dig into that. It wasn't my work at all, but before, even before then, like I was married long after I had started changing my careers. It was, it was identifying that I, there was something missing in what I was doing. And I didn't, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I knew that I needed to do something else. And although I've never been in law, I have danced with the legal profession my entire life. Um, you know, I, to the degree, pe most people ask me if I am a lawyer at this point, because I go to so many mediations and we negotiate so many cases and write, um, releases and, and court orders, but I really encourage everyone to embrace the uncertainty because that is your body. That is your intuition's cue that something needs to change. You know, we talked about scar tissues and, and, and how, you know, when we're starting to feel pain points, that is an indication that you need to, to evaluate what's going on. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need, need to make serious change, but maybe there's some other changes that can uh, happen, whether it be improving work-life balance or adding more um, uh, opportunity to educate or to learn, 
or add more fun into your life. But whatever it is that brings you joy and happiness is the path that I follow. And I would encourage others to do the same because life is short and we never know what tomorrow is going to bring. And we can work ourselves to the point where our bodies will shut us down and then we have no choice. So before that time comes, listen to the cues, um, embrace opportunities and recognize everything is a choice. We have the choice to make decisions that can shape our future and whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, we own that choice. Beautifully said, extremely philosophical. And you know, I love that. But Jody, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Cause that's the podcast. Thank you for coming on, Jody. I really do appreciate it. And for everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning in. And I will see you in the next one.